Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It is a final, the 2020 season. It is now in the books, and welcome, everybody. It is the year-end wrap-up show. It is the year-end Brewers retrospective. Tim Allen and company. There's Austin, Texas. There's Sam Schmitz. These two gentlemen have been with me uh, all season long here in the 2020 I can't say it. Championship season. No, I, can't. I, I guess, guys, I can't say that anymore, can I? No, but mm. there's always next year. <laughs> That's right. I'm already taking notes on the 2021 campaign. 2021 Brewers News and Notes. I already have a file on my computer already designated for that. And the first one, uh, former Brewers manager Ron Renneke was uh, terminated by the Boston Red Sox. See, I'm already working on the 2021 championship season, but sit back and relax, and, and we're going to walk you through the uh, 2020 season. A strange one, and and toward the tail end of this season, guys, we did really kind of focus on h- how you define this season, and it's it's tough to define just our world in general, really, when when you think about it, but just in terms of baseball, how do we define this season? And some people just define it as 2020. Some people define it as Stearns learns, as uh, GM and uh, president of baseball ops David Stearns. Uh, you know, he's he's still learning, too. He's relatively young at his craft. He's young in general, but he's young at his craft here as a GM. So I, I would assume things will get better for him as well. And you know, it was telling uh, guys, and we talked about this on some of the postgame shows, that you know, when you when you come out a couple of weeks ago and and you say um, some of our moves just did not work, and that's on me. That was on him. Now I thought that was really interesting. Let's let's start at the end here, if we could, just a little juxtaposition, if you will, uh, and we'll we'll uh, start with a clip from David Stearns just a, a day or two ago, uh, talking about this team making the playoffs, and, and it is something to be proud of, and, and I don't want to have the loser mentality, I, I understand all that, but the importance for the organization moving forward, it, it's really vital that these guys start banking some playoff appearances, because the more you get in there, 
as the old adage goes, you, you, you'll beat the door down one of these years and, and you'll win the World Series, you'll win the title. But David Stern is pretty proud of his players here in 2020. There, there are some things that as an organization uh, we did this year of which I'm extremely proud. Um, I, I'm proud of the effort level um, the day we showed up in summer camp um, through the, the last out in the Dodgers game. Um, I'm, I'm proud of our organization rallying together um, and, uh, and creating protocols and following protocols that were among industry leaders um, in keeping our player, staff, and employees safe throughout yeah, no, the entire season. No, no question about it. David Stearns uh, got to be proud of uh, these guys just sort of, you know, with all that has happened, and we'll go through that in the next couple of hours. Um, but everything that they've gone through just personally as well as professionally and to will themselves into the playoffs. I mean, to, to me, that was the impressive thing as many things that had gone wrong. And we'll find that out here as we walk you through the season. You got to be pretty pleased that they hit the postseason, regardless of whether it was 60 games, regardless of the sub 500 and, and regardless of their success uh, once they got there. It is important. It is, and it will come in handy. So, you know, expanded playoffs certainly help. But they got in 29 and 31 was their final regular season record. And then obviously 0 and 2 in the, uh, in the postseason. But let's go back to as we start out the 2020 Brewers retrospective here, as uh, the year in review show is already here and it just flew by. But let's go back to how last year's season ended, unfortunately. Nationals have the lead. They have Soto hung up. They tag him out, but nobody in this joint cares. Incredible. Yeah, so coming into the season, that's how the 2019 season essentially ended right there. Uh, but coming into this uh, campaign here in 2020, high hopes. I would say would be fair uh, coming off that loss under Stearns and Council. Well, Council specifically, 405 wins and 381 in his career heading into the 2020 campaign. However, let me just uh, add this addendum. In 17, 18, and 19, the last three years coming into this year, his record, 271 and 216 mark for Craig Council coming into this season. So, again, Making what you have better is what Craig Council does, and I've always said that. Uh, two playoff appearances in those three years. Uh, before that, during the offseason, before this season started, uh, we did get an extension from Craig Council, which is, uh, which is good news, keeping him the Brewers manager through the 2023 season. I grew up in the clubhouse. My dad worked with the team when I was a kid, uh, so it was you know, the great Brewer teams of Yount and Molitor. Uh, so now to be uh, have a leadership role with the team is, it's, it's, it's an honor. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, you're trying to deliver something for the fans. And, and we feel like the last couple of years we've got to that point and want to keep doing it. Yeah, and they did it. They got to the postseason again. A couple of awards last year's offseason. 
Uh, long time coming, but Lorenzo Kane gets his gold glove. Josh Hader wins his second consecutive National League Reliever of the Year award, the Trevor Hoffman Award. Christian Yelitz with a Silver Slugger Award, a batting title, additional news and notes. Former Brewers get some uh, managerial jobs. Gabe Kapler with the Giants, Ron Renneke with the Red Sox, Mike Matheny with the Kansas City Royals. But grabbing all the headlines over the offseason, guys, and I'll bring you uh, both Austin, Texas, and Sam Schmitz in here to comment on this, was the um, Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal. And, and I know they're still alive in the postseason here, but where did that story go? I mean, that, that is the most fascinating thing. That was huge news last offseason, gentlemen. Sam, I'll start with you. I mean, that, that to me was the biggest baseball story of the off season, and obviously it was distracted by by COVID and the shutdown and the shortened season. Man, they uh, they they skirted that one. Yeah, I think going into the season, we were all thinking, how can baseball get back into the national news and headlines and all that? And unfortunately, the Astros did it, but it wasn't really, I don't think, the right way that Manfred you know planned on the headlines to get back into baseball. But you know, it happened and. Actually, we have the game on as we speak in our studio right now. Astros are up 5-2 to two against the A's. Yeah, Austin, uh, I mean, that story just went away. That was huge news, the cheating scandal. Yeah, I would say the Astros dodged a bullet with this one. It seems like the only only team and person that really remembered was Joe Kelly and the Dodgers as they got into it a little bit earlier in the season because of it. But it seems like they were the only team that really you know, kept on the Astros about it. The story kind of faded as COVID came about. Well, is it going to pop back up? And we'll find out if they advance. What, you know, what if they end up back in the World Series, guys? I mean, that, that, <laughs> that's, I mean you, you would think it'd pop back up at that point. Uh, there were some firings, some suspensions, all out bad blood in the industry for sure for MLB. The entire organization, starting from the top, owner all the way through the players, to accept responsibility and to apologize not only to their fans, but to the fans across the other 29 teams. It's hard to deny the fact that um, that's going to be an ongoing process here. Um, it didn't get done the other day. I don't absolve the players of responsibility. I think that in their comments, at least some of them, um, you can see the fact that, that, that they understand uh, they have a fundamental obligation to play within the rules. Um, and I, I don't think any of them feel like they've been absolved, frankly. I do expect that we will, for 2020, have really serious restrictions on player and playing personnel access to video in-game. I think it's really important for us to send a message to our fans that not only did we investigate and punish, but we altered our policies in a way that will help make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, and uh, well, there's Houston still alive here in the 2020 campaign. Well, in the offseason, uh, GM David Stearns um, worked his offseason. And I, I will tell you this, he definitely was busy, and we'll get to some player changes in just a bit. Uh, but players and Stearns uh, alike had their pens ready. All right, uh, let's let's uh, let's talk about what they did contractually. How about Freddie Peralta? You remember this in the off season? He was signed to a five-year deal. So the young right-hander is going to be with the organization that avoids arbitration. Um, you know, through throughout the bulk of his uh, next next few years, so you don't have to worry about that. It's a decent, team-friendly, economic deal for Freddie Peralta, 
And we talk about Corbin Burns uh, making the next step from last year. We talk about uh, Adrian Hauser making the next step into next year after this year. Well, maybe Freddie Peralta is that guy that makes that giant step here with a young stable of uh, Brewers' arms. Let's see. They avoided arbitration uh, with one-year deals to Orlando Arcia and Ben Gamble, but the biggie is Christian Yelich, a long, long, long-term deal and a big splash contract for the Milwaukee Brewers. It's an exciting day for myself and my family, and I want to thank Mark, David, uh, Joe, and Tom. Just uh, It was a unique process. Um, you know, it's, it was... Um, interesting at times and uh, I'm really glad that I am able to spend uh, the foreseeable future here um, the rest of my career as a Milwaukee Brewer uh, you know I've said many times that I've only been here for for two years but it feels like uh, it's been a lot longer and ever since I came here it just felt like a, a natural fit a place that was great for myself and, and my family and uh, formed a connection with the community my teammates everyone from ownership to the front office on down and as a player that's that's what you want you want a chance to win something that feels organic and it felt right to me and i i didn't really have aspirations to to play anywhere else and you know fortunately we were able to to work things out to where we won't have to worry about that anymore and uh like i said it's a really great day for my my family and 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 just everyone involved has been been great and exciting times and um, just really enjoyed playing in the city of Milwaukee, the state of Wisconsin. Um, the fan base embraced me from day one. And for me, it's just a really special place to play. And like you said, our goal here is to, to eventually bring a World Series to uh, Milwaukee and, and to the Brewers organization. And we're now going to have that opportunity over the next nine years. Christian's relationship with our team with our city with our community is is unique it's it's very rare that a player and a team's identities become so intertwined in such a short period of time and that's happened here with christian the brewers the state of wisconsin and the city of milwaukee i want to just echo what everybody sees on the field is is an MVP, uh, but we've got that same MVP when it comes to leadership, how much of a leader and leadership that Christian brings, kind of a teammate he is, and uh, the selfless things he does in the community, man, many of which are not uh, visible because he really doesn't look for attention. And uh, he does countless things privately in the community that no one knows and oftentimes I don't know I maybe hear after the fact once or twice so we look at at a commitment like this for our organization it couldn't be given to anyone more deserving than Christian and I, I don't think there's anything better for our community in Milwaukee and Wisconsin than than having him be uh, an integral part of us yeah, you think about that when this season got going here, and I consider you know year-round the season is going, but I think most people, once pitchers and catchers report, I mean, you're looking at the voices you just heard there, Christian Yelich, David Stearns, Mark Adonacio. I mean, this literally was a few days before the shutdown of spring training here in 2020. Literally days before that shutdown. It's amazing. 
how excited we were to have Kristen Yelich, and we still are. Don't get me wrong. We still are uh, super excited and jacked up uh, to have Kristen Yelich in a Brewers uniform for, you know, the better part of a decade here. But people forget some of these things. They, they forget that that was a huge celebration, and I'm still celebrating that. Christian will bounce back, and he will have a huge part in more postseason appearances, that's for sure. Uh, they did sign Brent Suter. Now it's not 200-plus million, but I will, he'll take it. It's not yelly money, but good for Brent. Um, the schedule and the league uh, showing some credit and uh, some respect to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, three times they were scheduled heading into this 2020 campaign to play um, Sunday night baseball. And, in fact, I'll go you one better. In the first six weeks of the season, they were scheduled to be on Sunday night featured baseball on ESPN. The Cubs was going to be the first Sunday night game of the season. It was going to be Milwaukee and Chicago. So they did show some respect. Uh, They also announced prior to the season that the uh, draft, the MLB amateur draft, would be moved to Omaha in early June during the College World Series. And speaking of uh, the Brewers and their chances, 18-1 to they were coming into the 2020 campaign. And we did lose a couple of uh, Brewers over the offseason. Thoughts and prayers uh, going out to uh, the family and friends of uh, Jimmy Wynn. I don't know, uh, older gentlemen and ladies may remember the toy cannon. Jimmy Wynn did spend uh, a cup of coffee in a Brewers uniform. He passed away. Angel Echeverria, uh, minor league, and then didn't make the bigs just for uh, a little bit for the Brewers. He passed away as well. And then Tony Fernandez, uh, a, a historic sort of uh, career for Tony Fernandez. We lost him over the offseason as well. Uh, some rule changes heading into the season as well. Reliever rules. Reliever uh, can only uh, face uh, through, well, has to face three batters unless the inning ends. And now we had uh, ultimately then extra inning rules, but that comes in, in a bit. Um, and they also announced over the offseason Giovanni Gallardo, K-Rod, to be additions to the Wall of Honor at Miller Park. And speaking of which, Miller Park, the final season as uh, American Family Field will come in next year in 2021. And finally, we get to the personnel changes. A busy, busy year for the Brewers and GM David Stearns. We'll get to those next after the break here. You're listening to the 2020 Brewers retrospective, the season in review, the season that was. It is uh, Tim Allen, Austin, Texas, Sam Schmitz, as we we walk you through here in 2020. These personnel moves, they're going to bring back some memories. Stick around. We're talking Brewers baseball on 1250 AM, The Fan. Yeah, welcome back, guys. Talking Brewers baseball tonight, 1250 AM, The Fan, Tim Allen. And uh, the 2020 Brewers retrospective, the year in review. And we'll continue here as uh, David Stearns, we're we're still in the offseason here as we're firing up uh, what happened here in 2020. And a lot did. Trust me, those Brewer fans had followed the team the whole way through. Uh, You know as well as we do that uh, a lot went on. But those that didn't, we'll get you all caught up in the next hour and a half or so. David Stearns over the offseason talking about his changes. We seek to, to create depth. That's one of 
say, our, our principles as we look at roster construction. So we certainly sought to create depth over the last couple of years, and I think it served us well. As we look at the team this year, we certainly believe we have redundancy at multiple positions, and that should, that should help us throughout the course of a marathon season, six months. We've been able to build competitive teams here the last three years. Um, that's something we're proud of, and, and it, it speaks to our goal of creating an organization that can consistently compete. And, and that's everything we do is against that backdrop. How can we create an organization that has sustainable competitiveness within the division that gives us as many bites at the apple of winning a World Series as, as we can possibly get? Um, so that is um, the founding uh, principle of, of every decision um, we make. We, we've had turnover every offseason since I've been here um, because of some of the names um, that, that aren't back this year. I think it's gotten a little bit more attention, but, but we've, had, we've had significant turnover every single year, um, and, and we believe that we have the culture as an organization to, um, to, to frankly benefit from that and bring in people who complement our team very well. Yeah, and I think he's uh, talking about essentially complementary players there uh, to, to complement his pitching staff. And when you think about the young pitching staff coming in, obviously Stearns had to go out uh, and grab some free agents just in case these guys didn't excel or, or advance in their careers. There was a one-year deal with veteran lefty Brett Anderson, a three-year deal with uh, Josh Lindblom, who did not fare well this year. Uh, the MVP of the KBO, very similar situation as Eric Thames three years ago. Uh, ben Gamble, Orlando Arcia, as I said, had the one-year deals. Josh Hader lose, loses his and uh, lost his arbitration case. Avasail Garcia comes in on a two-year deal to fill one of the outfield spots, and that begs the question, will Ryan Braun play some first? Yeah, more talk of that into this season never did happen. Jed Jerko and Eric Sogard come into the mix. More from David Stearns on a busy offseason. Yeah, certainly it's, it was a different offseason this year for the industry in general. It was a different free agent market. Um, I, I try, and, and those of you who are around our team a lot know I, I don't make predictions. And one of the reasons I don't make predictions is I'm really bad at them. Um, so I didn't uh, really um, have a, a thought going in whether this was going to be a particularly active free agent season or whether it was going to be a little bit more sluggish, a little bit closer to what we've had the last couple. Um, I think this is more uh, a better um, indication of, of what free agency normally looks like. The last couple off seasons, in my opinion, have been anomalies. And, and this off season um, was maybe a little bit uh, more robust than that. Um, in, in terms of the why, I think that's a great debate. I think the fact that there are so many teams trying to win this year, trying to compete throughout the industry is a good thing for baseball. It has made um, it has made free agency probably a little bit pricier than it's been in the past. Um, but but that's a that ultimately is a good thing for baseball and a good thing for the industry when so many teams are, are actively in a competitive cycle. The breadth of, of the new names is a little bit different this year, but we've had new names every single year and and we've we've had um, an influx of new players every single year since I've been here. We're, we're generally a pretty transactional group. And even during the course of the season, we have players go up and down um, from the minor leagues, many of them um, who may not be here right now and, and may not necessarily be in, in the organization in spring training. Um, and, and throughout all of that, we've been able to maintain a, a positive and competitive culture within our group. And I think Craig and his staff deserve a lot of credit for that. 
Yeah, they they certainly do. But let's see if we can make some of the uh, sense of all of this in the offseason. Players exiting. Jeremy Jeffress, Matt Albers, Junior Guerra, Yasmani Grandal, Mike Moustakis, Corey Spangenberg, Tyler Austin, Gio Gonzalez, Chase Anderson, Travis Shaw, Zach Davies, Eric Thames, Drew Palmerantz, Jordan Lyles, Aaron Perez, Trent Grisham, Jay Jackson, Jimmy Nelson, Tyler Saladino, Yoli Chassin, Taylor Williams. You would think the 2015-2016 season, 2016 season uh, rebuild was on right now because that was a ton that exited. Players added this year, Jed Jerko, Eric Sogard, Logan Morrison, Jace Peterson, Justin Smoke, Josh Lindblom, Brett Anderson, Eric Lauer, Luis Urias, Omar Narvaez, Eric Yardley, J.P. Fireisen, Ronnie Rodriguez, Ryan Healy, Mark Mathias, Avisail Garcia. Keon Broxton is back. Shelby Miller was signed. David Phelps, Brock Holt, Logan Morrison, Justin Grimm. Uh, and with the Brewers uh, going on deck, with all of those changes, it really is sort of the opening day of the Brewers calendar year, I think, to a lot. Here's, uh, here's some sound and some uh, really some feel and emotion from the Brewers on deck event way back in January. With having so many new players and having like this event be the introduction for them to Milwaukee Brewers is a really cool thing. Um, I think it starts to explain to all the new players like this is what the Milwaukee Brewers are all about. And it's a real, the, the fans sent a great message kind of for us uh, because it's, it's, it's such a well-attended event and, and such a really well-run event. And then, yeah, it's, it's kind of our, my chance to just get to say hello and early introductions. And then, you know, we, we go away for two weeks and then we get back together and the, and the real work starts. Uh, Craig, I, I saw a video of you from the 2019 Wisconsin Sports Awards. I think you must have been misquoted. One of the fans asked uh, who your favorite player was. I think it looked like you were trying to say <laughs> Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich came out. I just wanted just clarification on that from you, please. Uh, Christian Yelich is my favorite player. Um, close second. Close second. He's a longtime favorite, Ryan Braun. Thanks, man. Yeah. I just want that clarification. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Ryan's got a really fun year ahead of him is what I think. Um, and I think it's a, lot, it's a motivating year. He's already promising me things privately that are I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold him too. I'll tell you that. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. But it's, look, it's, you know, I don't really see it like that as the end. I see it as this is, this is a great career that we're getting to continue to watch. Um, and, and this year's the next chapter. We actually have a club option on, on Ryan. <laughs> I try to convince him to play another year after this, but he does have a third child coming. And, you know, he's one of those exceptional athletes who I think wants to go out on top. Uh, so this could be his last season. You know, increasingly in sports, it's been, been rare for someone to spend their whole career with an organization, especially when they perform at you know, the absolute highest levels as he has. And, you know, it's one of the things, when I think about things, it's something I haven't allowed myself to think about because I'm going to really miss him. But if he does retire, we expect to have, you know, long-term relationship with Ryan. Obviously, losing Yasmani and Moose, you know, tough losses, and we're expecting some of the new players to step up. We're expecting some of the existing players to continue to perform. And I think the aggregate talent level is on par with where we started last season. I'd say to those fans that, uh, as, as Craig Council has often said to me when I question our baseball ops group, to trust the process. Process has proven to be eminently trustworthy for the past several seasons. And you know, that's we, we believe we're going to win a lot of games. 
and obviously we have flexibility to add players uh, at midseason. Our favorite thing about constructing a roster is to have choices, uh, to have depth, and because it, it, it kind of protects your downside as much as anything, um, you know, whether, whether we have injuries, uh, you know, performance, it, it allows for great performance or it protects us from maybe got somebody not having a great year. So I think we have a lot of answers uh, on the position player side to a, a lot of things that can come up during a season. I mean, you knew there was the potential for it. Uh, it kind of just depends on how the offseason unfolds and what ends up happening. You just never really know. But uh, I think we're going to be competitive. We're going to have a great team. And uh, I think that's what we're really excited about. So you had a depressed free agent market for a couple of seasons, which allowed us to be opportunistic buyers. Uh, this season you had a quite a robust free agent market, which made free agent selections a, a little more challenging if you were wrong. And given our commitment to always competing here, we decided to build the roster the way we did. We are happy with our team. We think we've got a very competitive team with the group we have right now, and we're always looking to get better. That's true now. It's going to be true when spring training happens, and it's going to be true during the regular season. Yeah, you wonder if uh, Ryan Braun was going to you know, have a swan song here in 2020. Still, uh, maybe the jury's out on that, but heading into this year, uh, you heard those guys mention Ryan Braun, Mark Adonacio, and Christian Yelich, and, and Craig Council, and David Stearns. Ryan Braun, is this the last year for Brawny? I don't take for granted the fact this could be my last year you know, playing baseball. So um, obviously there's a sense of urgency every year, but for me knowing that this could be my last chance um, ever, uh, it's something that, that certainly adds to that sense of urgency. And, and uh, you know, I feel good about the fact that, that they put a team together that should be um, competitive again. We went to the postseason the last two years. Um, you know, the, the team that we lost to last year ended up winning the whole thing. So um, just about finding a way to get into the postseason and hoping to get hot at the right time. But certainly there's an in, in, uh, increased sense of urgency for me um, with where I'm at in my career. It's possible, you know, I think we'll, we'll see how the year goes. Obviously, I think, you know, my we're, we're adding another child, so we'll see how the family dynamic changes with the third kid. Um, it's definitely a possibility, um, but, but we'll see how the year goes, see where I'm at physically. Um, and obviously, my family's always my top priority, so we'll see how everything's going there. Well, there's Ryan Braun, and we'll see if we see him playing baseball again. It's the 2020 season-ending retrospective, the year in v- review. Uh, Tim Allen, Austin, Texas, and Sam Schmitz, they've been with us uh, all season long on the pre- and post-game shows. Uh, now that's the off-season for the most part. We'll get into spring training, and we'll kick off the season and what happened. But, man, I don't know if anybody ever thought they would have the challenge, anybody in and around the baseball industry, whether it's the Brewers or any other team, whether it's the media, the fans, the concessions, the employees, front office, on the field, maintenance, I don't know if anybody could have predicted the challenge that the 2020 baseball season would go through. We'll have that for you next here on 1250 AM, The Fan. We are talking Brewers baseball for the final Well, for the final time this season. Now, the next time we talk Brewers baseball here in an official capacity will be the Hot Stove Show. And that, uh, listen for details on that uh, when we will start scheduling that. Welcome back. 2020 Brewers Retrospective. We do this every year. 15 years of Brewers coverage here on The Fan. Tim Allen, Sam Schmitz, Austin, Texas. 
producer engineers of both the On Deck Show and the Post Game Show are with me tonight. Okay, so we've been through the offseason. We get to spring training. It is here, the championship season. All the offseason in the rearview mirror, all those changes. The On Deck has come and gone. Pitchers and catchers report to spring training 2020, including myself, Austin, you and I were out there, and while the teams were ramping up and getting ready to go, pitchers fielding practice, all of what goes in to spring training each and every year at American Family Fields of Phoenix. Starting pitchers, and as a matter of fact, were down to their final game or two before they ramped it up for the regular season, and then we finally get introduced to coronavirus as it pertains to Major League Baseball. Check this out. Our spring training environment and, and, and our environments going forward, I feel safe, um, and I think our fans do as well. I have my, my, my wife and daughter come into a bunch of these spring training games, and, and I'm very confident in their safety here. Um, I also understand that we're dealing with, with a, a very serious public health situation, and collectively and, and also as individuals, we need to do our part to do everything we can to, to, to stem the spread. Look, this these are diff- this is different for everybody. Nobody knows the right thing to do here, and we're all in the, we're all in the same boat. You know, this is not. You know, everybody's in the same boat here. So, um, and like I said yesterday, and I and I emphasize this: there's people having to make really challenging decisions. Health officials, public officials. Um, the top of Major League Baseball, and we we do have to give these people time to make the right decisions. Um, it, it's easy to speculate, but I've found that any speculation really adds to another question. Um, anytime you make a decision, there's a there's a ton more questions that get asked. So it's it's important that you take time in, in making the, the proper decisions. I think it's at the forefront of everybody's minds. Everybody has a lot of questions. Um, it's a very fluid situation, um, so there's kind of constantly updates coming in that, that are significantly impacting the plans for spring training and the season and for everybody's um, lives. And, of course, not just baseball and sports, but the country as a whole, everything put on hold in an attempt to contain the virus and at that time flatten the curve. Then the discussions occurred, a possible realignment, a shortened season, and it drifts all the way into May. Talking about prorated pay, the union versus the league, regional bubbles. The big stickler was the prorated pay. And Austin, I'll bring you. You just heard from uh, Craig Council and Ryan Braun there along with Stearns. You and I were there during all three of those commented sections. And did you ever think it'd get like this, Austin? Because I never did at that time. Just sitting right there in front of Craig Council when he was saying those things. No, I, I definitely didn't think we were going to get to this point. I mean, when we were there, it everybody was just so confused. Like, nobody knew what was going on, what was going to happen, what the future was going to look like. And then as the offseason started to progress and they were talking about the prorated salaries and everything, there were people that were talking about, we might not get baseball for two years, not just this year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't think we were going to get to this point, but I'm grateful that we got a got a season in, even if it was just 60 games, and that the Brewers snuck into the playoffs for a third consecutive year. <laughs> That's true. You just, all right, we're done. Uh, we'll see you. Smile, Milwaukee. Austin just wrapped everything up. Uh, no, but when you and I were sitting there along with Billy um, – it just, it just, I was, I was a little shocked at, at uh, just being caught in the middle of that. And then we had to talk about travel and then we you know, get a call from our bosses and we're, we're literally, as the shutdown is occurring, 
we're you know 1500 miles away from home it's it's uh, it was crazy how that shook out for sure but the powers that be major league baseball and the players union did start negotiating and it got nasty guys it did some good news uh however when we start getting into this thing uh, toward may and june uh korean baseball fired back up nascar fired back up in may the bad news the back and forth between the union and the league it was incessant it would not stop uh rob manford and tampa pitcher blake snell i think it's hopeful that uh we will have some major league baseball this summer um we are making plans um about playing in empty stadiums um but as i've said before um all of those plans are dependent on what the public health situation is and uh us reaching the conclusion that it'll be safe for our players and other employees to come back to work i'm gonna be like bro blake play for the love of the game man what's wrong with you bro money should not be a thing bro i'm risking my life what do you mean it should not be a thing it 100 percent should be a thing if i'm gonna play i should be getting money i signed to be getting paid I should not begin half of what I'm getting paid because the season's cut in half on top of a 33% cut of the half that's already there. So I'm really getting like 25%. On top of that, it's getting taxed. So imagine how much I'm actually making to play. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't making And on top of that, so all that money's gone. And now I play risking my life. And, and, what, and if I get the Rona, on top of that, if I get the Rona, guess what happens with that? Oh, yeah, that stay, that's in my body forever. That damage is not going to be, like, the damage that was done to my body, that's going to be there forever. So now I got to play with that on top of that. So y'all got, I mean, y'all got to understand, man, for me to go, for me to take a pay cut is not happening because the risk is through the roof. It's a shorter season, less pay. Like, bro, there's, yeah, man, I got to, no, I got to get my money. I'm not playing unless I get mine. Yeah, there's Blake Snell, and he ended up, I guess, getting his because he's playing. Uh, So you have the back and forth, and now we get to the season as the 2020 Brewers retrospective show is already here. It uh, just flew by. You guys have been hanging in there all summer long with the Pella windows and doors of Wisconsin on deck show and the Bayview Shade and Blind postgame show. We'll get to the season. A lot did occur, a lot of roster moves, just some weird funky, just crazy, sideways stuff happen. We'll start the season next here on The Fan. Welcome back. Talking Brewers baseball for the final time this season, the 2020 season retrospective here on the fan each and every year 15 years of post-game coverage for me and there's austin and sam they've been with us all summer long as uh, it seemed like the summer flew by with regards to brewers baseball well it did because there was only 60 games but it, even despite that it did fly by and as we pick it up we're in june um There's still no baseball in the month of June, but the NBA announces uh, their bubble and regular season and playoffs. MLB draft was affected as the lead uh, league, I should say, uh, shrunk the format to just five rounds. Brewers take UCLA outfielder Garrett Mitchell in their first selection. 
then on June 23rd, baseball announces a 60-game schedule to begin July 23rd or 24th in the Brewers situation with a two-and-a-half-week spring training or what they were dubbing as summer camp or spring training two schedules, 10 games within your division. The rest would be in the same division opposite league, obviously testing protocols into place, and then the opt-outs come into play. Zimmerman, Joe Ross, David Price, Mike Leake, and others. Schedules are released. The Brewers would open up the campaign on July 24th against the Chicago Cubs. The over-and-unders to start the season at Caesars, 30-and-a-half wins for the crew, 40-to-1 odds to win the World Series. Wow. Uh, that, you know, there's, there's some long odds. Uh, they started at 18-to-1 to win the NL. Uh, Angel Perdomo and Luis Urias both contract coronavirus. Uh, they're under quarantine, and the Brewers start their blue-gold World Series during their uh, spring training, too, at Miller Park. Christian Yelich mic'd up for one of those games. Beautiful Miller Park, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Blue Gold Series continues. Miking up some guys. We got some uh, fun guys we're going to mic up tonight. Sorry, I got traded today, which I didn't know about. I didn't want to get traded. And I told Counts and Murph that I do have a no-trade clause in my contract. Good point. I was willing to exercise it, but I wanted to play with my friends, so it was all right. Let's see, Anna swing foul tip right into the mid. I'm trying to clean it up a little. <laughs> you just started to get you pissed, do you. you know? You I hate do you. Sucking, so what we what we don't want to, to have figure happen. it out on live broadcast and apologies for the uh, colorful language. We got my doors blown off two times tonight. That's not cool. So we're gonna try and be extra early, and if we suck again while doing that, at least we're not gonna be late. <laughs> Final swing at the ball. Final swing at the ball, okay? And it got him. Oof. Well, that one didn't go good either. We were just as bad that time. Can't miss that. I don't miss that. <laughs> I thought he dropped a couple of change-ups on you as well. Uh, pretty nice little change-ups it looked like to me anyway. No, I threw one, and then he just threw a couple of fastball right there. No contest at that, and I had no chance. Yeah, guys, that was really, really, uh, really great stuff from Christian Yelich being mic'd up in there. But... It did uh, speak volumes when, you know, you could hear the struggles right there. That was back from uh, spring camp at Miller Park in their uh, inter-squad uh, Blue Gold World Series. And were those comments things to come? Well, now it's opening day here in 2020. The championship season is upon us. July 24th, the Brewers at Wrigley to face the Cubs, the pageantry, the bunting. Baseball is here. Summer is here. Well, summer has been here, but the fans are here. No, no, we didn't get fans. A weird, weird season ensues. 60-game schedule, new rules, no fans, broadcasters calling games from monitors. Bottom line, though, was baseball was back, and the Brewers at 500 at 0-0 in late July. Little sneak peek, tease into the rest of the show. They would not get over 500 the entire season this year as they lose their opener and they would get shut out. No offense. Get used to that this year. It was a Hendricks three-hit shutout by the Chicago Cubs. Opening day lineup. Eric Sogard leads off. Christian Yelich bats second. Keston Hira in the three spot. Justin Smoke cleaning up. 
Ryan Braun, the DH, will bat fifth. Sixth is newly acquired catcher Omar Narvaez. Seventh is newly acquired Avasail Garcia. In the eighth spot is Lorenzo Cain, batting eighth. And batting ninth is Orlando Arcia. Craig Council after that opening day. Woody did a beautiful job. Um, I was really proud of him in that fifth inning. Um, grinding through that inning, he he was tired. Uh, I think we saw it, but but getting that through that inning was um, was a nice step for him. I thought it's strange. I, I don't want I don't want to say tell you it's not strange. It's it's strange without fans. Um, there there is no point where it's not strange without fans. Uh, there's really not. I I, I don't want to. That's not an excuse by any means, but it's strange without fans. If you were here tonight, it's strange without fans. It's kind of eerie in a way. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just you, you always play here, especially Brewers and Cubs. It's always packed no matter, you know, what what day or, you know, what time of the day. So um, that was a weird thing. It's, you know, I'm sitting there catching myself, and it's like you can actually hear yourself think. You know what I mean? It's like you, you're, you're thinking your way through and kind of talking to yourself and, and – um, I just kind of caught myself, you know, I, th I think you can run through your thoughts just a little bit easier in a, in a way. So um, it was weird. You can definitely hear, hear uh, guys from, from both benches. So um, that's going to be a little, little bit getting used to. So, um, but no, definitely a weird, weird feeling not having any fans in Wrigley and uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, continue to, to be safe and get some fans back in the stands. Yeah, there's Brewers right-hander Brandon Woodruff after opening day. They fired it up. The 2020 championship season it was a six-game road trip, three in Chicago, three to Pittsburgh. Things did improve for the crew in game two. If you recall, Christian Yelich, a two-run home run in that game, an 8-3 win. Uh, let's see here. Um, other notes in that, Corbin Burns, three and a third, a one-run ball. Things, however, got a little chippy in that. A very vocal Cub dugout. Uh, the Brewers did end up losing that series. Eric Sogard led off all three games to start the season here and was one for 10. Christian Yelich, a little bit worse, one for 13. Keston chimes in with one for 12. Chop it all up. Christian Yelich and Keston Hira in that series, two for 25. If you add in Sogi, three for 35 in that series. You're one, two, and three hitters to start the campaign here in 2020. One more thing on that. Uh, Lorenzo Cain and Craig Council uh, talked about the chippiness in that series. It did get a little ugly at times. Struck him out swinging. Beautiful breaking ball on the outside corner. Contreras chirping again during that last break. Got a little bit heated as some Cubs players were outside of the dugout screaming to the other side. Christian Yelich at one point jumped the dugout and started to just amble his way towards the field. I think this is going to be part of this season. I mean, both dugouts can hear each other and, you know, umpires can hear everything. And so it's, you know, there's there's talking that goes on in a game. We, you never hear it with all the fans here. And right. it just is part of the game. It's competitiveness. It's all it is. We hear more than we normally hear. I guess is the best way to say it. And it's just, look, we're, we're trying to win. They're trying to win. We're competing. Um, and we're not, we're not going to be quiet when something happens that we don't like and either are they. Um, so, and we normally don't hear much of that stuff, to be honest. Uh, we're going to hear more of it right now. I, and then that's just, I think we all got to get used to that a little bit. Um, I, I thought the umpires did a nice job in it to be, you know, they, they, 
they know they're going to have to deal with it too. Um, but um, it, it's going to happen um, if, if, because there's no noise in the ballparks. If it happens, it happens. Um, we're all going to have each other backed. And, um, you know, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But um, like I say, emotions are high. And um, hopefully we can avoid that situation because we don't, you know, want to be in close contact. But uh, if the situation were to arise, then um, we'll just have to see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, there's Lorenzo Cain and Craig Council talking about that. During that initial road trip to start the season, the Miami Marlins did have a break uh, out of the coronavirus, and they are shut down as well as their opponents. The Brewers were not affected, at least not yet. Brewers at that point would take that series in Pittsburgh and uh, to run their early season mark to 3-3 three and three to start the campaign, caught our first glimpse of the new extra innings rule with a game one victory uh, in Pittsburgh. In that third game, the Brewers pitching staff uh, collectively threw a one-hitter in that game. Woody, Phelps, Williams, and Hayter, a one-hitter with a big win in Pittsburgh. Something to keep an eye on uh, early. Cool the Jets. He'll come out of it. Christian Yelich, not a good summer camp through the six games uh, to start the season this year, guys. One for 27 with 12 strikeouts. Then the Brewers headed back home for their home opener. Uh, certainly different. No fans, no tailgating, no day off work, and no partying. Brewers then get affected by coronavirus as the St. Louis Cardinals have some positives. And the entire series to open up the home campaign was canceled. And uh, just more good news over that same weekend, guys. Uh Lorenzo Cain announces his opt-out Friday, July 31st. Stearns and Adonacio comment on those postponements and more. Coming into this season, everyone associated with this understood that having multiple positives on a team was a possibility and, in fact, a likelihood. Uh, we, We talked about it the volume of positives we've seen on one team now is alarming. And, and I think everyone feels that way. And, um, you know, we, we have a very robust set of protocols in place for the explicit reason of preventing something like this happening. What you're seeing where you're canceling a game like today is a focus on trying to get through the season rather than just look at something that's in a plan and say, oh, well, the plan was X, Y, Z, so we're going to do X, Y, Z. And, uh, you know, I I'm, I'm still believe we have a lot of really smart people working on this, really a number of committed uh, players who want to play through this, but everybody wants to play safely. Uh, and, um, you know, if, we, if we're not smart and safe, then we'll, we'll fail. Uh, but we're going to do everything we can not to fail. As soon as we went on the road, it, you know, you just, you just didn't feel safe. You didn't feel, you know, like they were, we were in a bubble or anything. I feel like if we would have been in a bubble, it would have been a different circumstance, but I just didn't feel safe when we went on the road. And then when I came back and then the Cardinals basically, you know, tested a few guys tested positive and then we ended up missing the series. And that was basically the tipping point for me where I just decided, you know, 
it's, it's time to, you know, put my family first, uh, put myself first and, um, you know, try again next year, basically. Yeah, and I think everybody respected Lorenzo's uh, Lorenzo's decision at that time uh, to opt out. But another challenge, even bigger than that, even bigger than the postponement, even bigger than Lorenzo Kane opting out, even bigger than any roster move. We'll have that for you next as we continue our year in review. It's the 2020 Brewers retrospective right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. One hour to go in the Brewers 2020 campaign as we are talking Brewers tonight here on The Fan, the 2020 season retrospective, the year in review. Producer engineers, uh, Sam Schmitz in Austin, Texas. They've been with us all summer long. Myself, Tim Allen, Baby Shade and Blind postgame show, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin on deck show. Uh, we left off before the break here, the final weekend of July. And, and let's take a little inventory as to what just occurred. I recall talking about this, guys. Um, now, I don't know. I can't remember, Sam or Austin, was it you that was on with me over that weekend? That I said it w- was one of the most eventful weekends in Brewers franchise history when you, when you look at it. Which one of you guys were with me? I think, I think it was Austin. Yeah, I think so. And we talked about all that happened that weekend, uh, the inventory that weekend. Um, let's see here. Starting Friday, July 31st, the Brewers' opponent, St. Louis Cardinals, 13 positive corona tests, seven players, six staff. Lorenzo Kane opted out. Ryan Braun was placed onto the IL with an infected finger. Remember that? Shelby Miller. The right-hander opted out. The Brewers made a bunch of roster moves. Brett Anderson activated. Mark Mathias called up. Ryan Healy called up. Nottingham sent down. Eventful. But the worst out of all of that, Brewers bench coach Pat Murphy suffers a heart attack at Miller Park during a team workout. All you can say is thoughts and prayers at that time, and wow. Well, it was a scary day. Um yeah, I mean, it happened um, shortly after we were we had a little infield session, and um, um, he just he sat down for a while, wasn't feeling great. Uh, frankly, nobody really knew about it at that point, and, and he just he just wasn't feeling good. Um, and you know, thankfully, he was right in the right spot. Um, Rafael Freitas, our trainer, was uh, standing nearby and um, kind of noticed it and and escorted him back to the back to the clubhouse and, and, you know, we, we, uh, Dr. Neefelt was, uh, in the building, fortunately, and diagnosed what was going on and we got him to the hospital. Yeah. And from all accounts, he did make a full recovery and, uh, boy, that was a scary situation, but we get back to baseball. We did at some point, uh, it was a four game set after the postponements, uh, four game set, essentially two at home, two on the road against the Chicago white Sox. The Brewers lost the first two at home. They bounced back to take the two in Chicago, a huge, huge bounce back. Hauser, his best performance. That was not, not good after uh, that outing by Hauser, the best performance of his uh, season here, seven innings of no-run ball on one hit. Break out the home-run ball in the fourth game of that four-game set. Yelich, an inside-the-park homer. Jerko, 
shows some lumber as well with a two-run shot back to even at 5-5 five and five in the first 10 with cancellations with the Marlins, with the St. Louis Cardinals. The league announces that all doubleheaders then will be seven innings each game as the league continues to adjust to the coronavirus. Brewers with that 500 mark, a six-game homestand against the Reds and the Twins. Eric Lauer starts to falter. Yelly continues to struggle, but the comment that uh, keeps popping up through the first 12 games, um, he'll come out of it. He'll, he'll, he, will, he will come out of it. I think we're still talking about that uh, right now. Brewers averaging just three and a half runs a game on offense. Team batting average of 210. They salvage a game in the Red Series. And then on August 10th, as uh, they were about to face the Minnesota Twins, you got to make quicker decisions, that's for sure. And the first domino to fall, Logan Morrison, was released. Brewers split the first two games of that Twin series, and they get smoked in game three. They stay in that holding pattern uh, at this point of two games under 500. Then off to the road for a 10-game trip. Chicago against the Cubs for four, the Twins for three, and the Pirates for three. A bunch of roster moves happen. Lauer was sent down with a 12-plus ERA. Rasmussen and uh, Angel Perdomo were called up. And then a near no-hitter by Hugh Darvish in game one. With that loss, the Brewers fell at that time, to a season-low three games under 500, and where the hell is Christian Yelich? He did homer in a Game 2 victory in Chicago, but still wasn't pleased about it. Well, not many people were. I didn't have much idea of much up there tonight. Um, kind of just swung and it hit my bat, and it was kind of on the barrel enough, and it went over the fence, thank God. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of... Uh, one of those, I don't even know. I blocked out. So I, I was so terrible up there tonight that I decided that since I was DH and I was down in the tunnel getting loose, I was like, I'm going to put gum in my mouth and chew that and not think about how my at-bats have been. So I was stopped thinking about it, and I just swung. I was like, I'm going to swing because I hadn't swung all night. So I was like, I should probably swing. So I swung and change up and homer. So it's kind of it's what happened. Whatever it takes, Christian, whatever it's going to take to have a better 2021 campaign, we're all convinced of that for sure. But here the Brewers are in mid-August. They end up uh, bouncing back after that game one loss in Chicago to win the final three games of that four-game set. Big time bounce back. Um, Keston Hira, big three-run home run in game four. Lando hits one out, a two-run shot. Devin Williams then starts to emerge. Right there, as the Cubs series, we started to notice some pretty interesting things from uh, Devin Williams. Ryan Braun, Mr. Clutch, go-ahead RBI in that game four late in the game. Pitching overall, if you looked at the four games for the Brewers pitchers, they struck out 53 Cub batters in that four-game set. Brewers have the season series at that point at four games to three over the Chicago Cubs, and they get back to 500. The one-third mark of the season at 10-10. and 10. 
And then they head up to Minnesota to face the Twins. Another near no-hitter against the Brewers. They were no-hit through eight, down three, zip. But if you recall that game, they do tie the game in the ninth inning with three runs. They did end up losing in 12 innings. Offense breaks out a little bit in game two in that Twins series to even up the series. Braun Yelly and Garcia each had two run home runs back to 11 and 11 at 500 little bit of a hot spell for Christian Yelich at that point his last 10 games hitting over 300 they lose the final game of that twin series they fall back under 500 Corey Knebel placed on the injured list and for as bad as the offense had been at that point twins for 3 cubs for 4 and twins for 3 again they end up 5-5 five and five through that stretch, holding their own, and then they get to Pittsburgh on the 21st of August. Just five hits in a loss in Game 1, three of them from Ben Gamble. Another DFA, Brock Holt, the next domino to fall. Quicker trigger finger for David Stearns on personnel, a 12-5 loss in that Game 2, and then they lose in Game 3. One of the rare bad outings for David Phelps, if you recall, a two-run shot in the bottom of the eighth inning. Ouch. To give the Pirates a one-run lead and the win and the sweep, they get swept in Pittsburgh. What the hell is going on? You talk about a turning point in the season. That may have been it because they hit their low water mark after getting swept by the Buckos uh, to four games under five hundred at 11-15. and 15. And just basically some overall frustration. That was the word at the time. Josh Lindblom and David Stearns used the word frustration. A scale of one to ten, probably a ten. Um, you know, I don't think I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'd say there's not one guy in that clubhouse right now that isn't frustrated about something. Um, but I mean, frustration is definitely the word right now. I'd say we haven't played well. We we, we haven't played well enough um to to be where we want to be i don't think we've played up to our capabilities uh we have time to correct that we have we have time to improve uh and and to make this a productive um season for us Uh, frankly i think we have plenty of time uh to do that uh but but we do need to play better and i think everyone in our clubhouse recognizes that there's probably as much frustration in our clubhouse right now um, as I've experienced during my time in Milwaukee. And I think that's individual level frustration um, for, for guys who aren't performing uh, up, to, up to their capabilities. And, and then there's collective frustration um, when we look at, at how we've played together as a team. The challenge for us now um, is to use that frustration in a somewhat productive manner. Um, frustration on its, on its own probably doesn't serve us particularly well, but if frustration leads to an increased focus, um, if frustration leads to a reassessment of where we are, that, that can be productive. Um, and so that's, that's how we have to use it. Well, it uh, sort of wasn't as they get swept in Pittsburgh. Then they head back home for a long homestand against the Reds, Pirates, and Tigers, and the trade deadline. Less than a week away at that point, the Brewers snapped the four-game losing streak by getting to Trevor Bauer late in the game against the Reds. Williams, Phelps, Hader get it done, and by now, word is out on Devin Williams at that point. Uh, Just been amazing. As the season approaches the halfway mark, Devin Williams had 10 appearances, a sub-1 ERA. 
10 and two-thirds innings pitch with 23 punch-outs. Well, they win their second straight over the Reds. Woody, a nice performance. Just enough offense, a 3-2 victory. Hater, seventh save, has not allowed a hit, let alone a run this year. And the Brewers would have to uh, settle for a two-game sweep. Game three was boycotted. Um, that, I checked that. That was a four-gamer. Game three was boycotted. They would make it up with a double header, and maybe that stall did uh, did turn things for the worse because they did get they got swept in that double header. Uh, they do split. They're right there at the half ma- uh, halfway mark, back to their low water mark at four games under after thirty games, thirteen and seventeen of the thirty games. The Brewers have been scored upon uh, first in twenty three of those games. Uh, a challenged offense, to say the least, through half a season. They were struggling. Craig Council at that halfway mark. We've got guys in the lineup who have had success in this league, and um, and um, it has not been a successful first half for for a lot of our lineup, for frankly most of our lineup. Um, and so it, you know, it, it's it's got to be better, um, and I and I think there's reason to think it will be better because, um, you know, they're they have proven themselves in this league, um, and so, and there's some because there's some great players that have that weren't are struggling for us right now. So, um, I really believe it's going to be better. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know the but it, but it needs to happen soon. I think that's that, that's accurate, and that's. I think that we all know that, um, you know, it, uh, we're, we're making it harder on ourselves right now. Um, we're making it really hard to win games, we're making our pitching be pitching, pitching be really perfect to win games. Um, and that's, that's a pretty big burden for them. So we, we've got to be better offensively. Um, there's no question about it. That was Craig Council at the mathematical halfway mark at a 13-17 and 17 record and talking offense. First half, offense. Second half, yeah, you guys know the drill. <laughs> Wrapping up the Brewers 2020 campaign, the season-ending retrospective. Uh, we'll get to playoff baseball, and they're four under at the halfway mark on the outside looking in. Yeah, that's what happened. We'll continue talking Brewers baseball next here at 12.50 a.m. The Fan. Welcome back. Talking Brewers baseball, the 2020 season retrospective as we get to the season in review. And before the break, we ended at that halfway mark. And let's get to the second half of the 2020 campaign. Pirates came into Miller Park in a four-game set, and uh, I recall guys uh, as Austin, Texas, Sam Schmitz, uh, they've been producers and engineers all season long for pre and post, but guys, uh, Sam, I'll start with you. I I think you remember I wanted the sweep in this. I wanted (laughs) wanted them to return the favor, but only this time a four-game sweep. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, you wanted to get back to those days like uh, 2008, 2009 Brewers where every time you face the Pirates, it's just, well, here comes another nice, easy sweep here. Yeah, and and Austin, it it sort of almost happened, really, when you think about it. Yeah, they were close. It, it the, you really just wanted the revenge for the, the three game sweep in Pittsburgh. That was a series where you needed at least at least one. You can't get yeah. swept by Pittsburgh. Yeah. So and, yeah, and you, you got to return one, the favor. 
at that time, you're just wondering, clearly the Brewers are a better baseball team than the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, uh, Manny Pena then at, uh, during that series goes to the IL. Justin Grimm was DFA'd. Another domino falls. Brock Holt officially released from the team. Nottingham recalled. They beat the Pirates in game one. Yelich back into a slump. Three for his last 23 at that point. The Brewers did take three of four, as I said, against the Pirates. Almost happened. Get, getting back to two games under 500 with 27 or 26 to play in the season. Trade deadline comes and goes, and David Phelps is moved for three minor league players. Weird season, weird trade deadline. Council talks about that loan trade this year. I don't think you could have drawn it up better in terms of what he gave us. He came in healthy. He was throwing the ball well from day one. He was uh, a really nice um, veteran presence to have in the clubhouse. So, um, yeah, David, David did great here. David's been a valuable piece of this team. Um, but uh, David Stearns found a deal that, that he thought um, that he couldn't pass up. And, and so that he, that he felt like was important for the, for the franchise to make. Um, I don't think it says anything about the future of the team. And we got to go out and win a baseball game today. Um, and uh, that's, that's how we're going to treat it. That's how the guys in there are going to treat it. Um, you know, we, you, you lose, I, I, you don't want to say that, but you, you lose players at times. Guys get hurt. Guys get traded. And as September hits, uh, the Brewers suddenly have won five of their last eight games, if that's saying something. At that point, it was Tigers into Miller Park. Brandon Woodruff is away for paternity leave at that time. Jed Jerko goes on bereavement leave. Supak is sent down. Tyrone Taylor called up. He would remain with the team for the rest of the campaign. Phil Bickford makes his Major League debut. And after all that, it was a 12-1 loss to the Tigers. Lindblom, not good again, on a bad roll. An ERA of six and a half or just under. Brewers at 16-19 and 19 to that point. Justin Grimm officially released from the organization. They beat the Tigers in game two to earn that split. Hauser on a bad roll. Williams on a great roll. The homestand against the Reds, Twins. Uh, check that, Reds, Pirates, and Tigers. It ends up with a 6-4 and four mark if you're keeping an eye on first place. To that point, with a 17-19 and 19 mark, the Brewers just five games back. I say just five games back. Running Chicago, Brewers play some AL opponents, three in Cleveland and three in Detroit to face the Tigers again. Uh, Justin Smoke was DFA'd. The Brewers signed Daniel Vogelbach, a big sign for the crew down the stretch. Woody's back from paternity. Bickford sent back down, and they beat the Cleveland Indians. And Burns starting to get on a roll. Another six-inning performance, just one run, three consecutive great performances out of Corbin Burns with that win. Craig Council passes Tom Treblehorn to get into third place uh, in managerial wins in the Brewers franchise history. Burns in those last two starts, 12 innings, 17 strikeouts, no earned runs. A loss in game two in Cleveland. Hader blows the save, gives up a walk-off. They lose game three to lose the series to fall back to three under 500. Reoccurring theme, offense, getting timely hits. They're nowhere. Craig Council. I mean, the story of this series was, you know, we just missed our opportunities. You know, we, we put pressure on some, in some innings and, um, 
we we just didn't we didn't cash in on opportunities at least obviously in games two and three so um you know we we i thought we did a decent job against beaver you know he was he was rolling through three and then we we started getting some so a couple good at bats at the bottom of the order really um and um you know we had the right right guys up there to to as he was tiring to try to break it open a little bit and, and put a crooked number on it but he, he made some very good pitches to get out of the fifth and they left cleveland heading to detroit at that point it was a two-game set check that they lose game one that's a three-game losing streak hauser's bad roll continued four and a third a five-run ball in a game one loss back to their low water mark again four games under 18 and 22 Brewers in the eighth inning of that game had scored just four runs in their last 26 innings. Last three games, just seven runs. But all that changed in game two. A 19-zip drubbing over the Detroit Tigers. The bigger story, Corbin Burns' roll just continues. Seven innings, one hit, no run baseball with 12 strikeouts. Jerko, a couple of home runs. Brawny, a homer. Uh, Orlando Arcia, a four-hit game. Urias, three hits, five RBIs in that victory. It broke the franchise mark in that game, if you remember, with 13 extra base hits. Suddenly, those disturbing numbers, four runs in the prior 26 innings, suddenly 22 runs in the last 10 innings. See how that changes. Then it's a three-game set against the Cubs at Miller Park, and if there was any chance of grabbing first place, this may have been it. Series to point to, part of an 11-game homestand, their longest of the season against the Cubs, Cards, and Royals. A game one victory. Woody matches Burns' last outing. Seven shutout innings on just one hit. Brawny wins it with a sack fly. He's starting to heat up in September. Brewers to that point, 20-22. and 22. Four games back of the Cubs with 18 games to play. Two left in that series. One game back of second place St. Louis. So the crew goes back-to-back wins, back-to-back shutouts, 19-zip and 1-zip. Wow. Whole thing, uh, theme about a consistent or inconsistent offense. Wow. If you're looking for a tipping point in the season, there were a few. The Pirates sweep. This might have been one. Saturday, September 12th, the Cubs series. Game two, Brewers up 2-zip with Josh Hader heading into the ninth inning. And he gives up a three-run home run to Jason Hayward in the ninth inning for the loss, the blown save, three under 500, back to five games back of Chicago. That about did it for the division crown. It got worse because the next day, the Cubs win to take the series. Alec Mills no-hits the crew. We talked about it on the post-game show that it wouldn't surprise us that you know, if they were no-hit, a lot of near-no-hitters against the crew, but it finally happened. Insert any expletive there. A lot of folks were watching football that day, but again, a no-hitter against the Brewers this season. 3-1 to Peterson. Ground ball to Baez. To first. It's a no-hitter. Alec Mills has thrown the second no-hitter of this 2020 season. The 16th in the Cubs franchise history. The first is Jake Arrieta's from April 2016 in Cincinnati. Amazing, amazing job by Mills. That first no-hitter, of course. 
second no hitter for the Cubs at Miller Park as we talked about last inning. That's an amazing performance. I mean you know they say for an offense you got to hit bottom before you start climbing your way up. This might be it for the Brewers offense. Basically the best way to say it is it's baseball you know. <laughs> it likes to kick you when you're down and keep you humble and uh, you know I think that's just how the way it's been going for us this year you know baseball's you know, kicking us in the teeth a little bit, and we're going to have to step up here and, you know, kick it right back. We didn't play a good game. Uh, we played a poor game. We lost. Um, it's, it counts as one loss, and we've got to turn the page and um, know that there's still a lot. Um, there's a lot of important baseball in front of us. I mean, it, it's a day you got to turn the page. And, I mean, that's – the game was bad. There's we, – we can talk about it, but it was a bad game. Um and we got to turn the page and understand that t tomorrow's, um, you know, a, a really big game. Yeah, you figure that one out. Two no-hitters at Miller Park, both thrown by the Cubs. I guess the saving grace in that stat would be that only one would be against the Brewers. Now just 16 games left in that schedule, 10 of those games against the St. Louis Cardinals, who are just at that point two games ahead of the crew for second uh, you might want to stick a fork in the division. Uh, Brewers with the 16 games left, six back of front-running Chicago. And now it's a five-game series. Because of the corona cancel earlier, five games in three days, two, two days obviously with double headers. Brewers, a little bit of a roster move, claiming outfielder Billy McKinney never did get uh, some action for the Brewers. Ray Black is activated. Fire Eisen goes back to Appleton. Ronnie Rodriguez DFA'd. Same for Trey Supak. And the Brewers split the doubleheader against St. Louis. Both of those games in extras. A walk-off sack fly by Keston Hira in game one. Burns a little bit of a short start in a game two loss, but just one run given up. And a 21-25 and mark after that doubleheader. And the Cincinnati Reds finally catch the Brewers and pop themselves into third place. Brewers down to fourth. The Brewers offense breaks out in game three against the Cardinals. An 18-run output. Brett Anderson starting to put things together. Some chippiness pops up in this series. These two teams are going to face each other the rest of the way out quite a bit in the 2020 season. Both managers ejected in that game three Yadier Molina has a meltdown like a nine-year-old. Uh, the Brewers trailed the Reds at that point by half a game for third, and the Cardinals by just one game for second in a playoff spot with just 13 games left. Doesn't look like these two teams like each other real well here, the Brewers and Cardinals. Uh-oh. Got a little now. Molina. I mentioned he wasn't happy before. These guys are going to see a lot of each other between now and the end of the season. Jed Jerko, you see the former teammate of Molina. Now, this is not good. No. I mean, yeah, you can't be doing this kind of thing, you know, based on what's going on in our country right now with the virus. Now you got the bullpens emptying out. Everybody over by the Brewers dug out. All of this going on, they're playing. They got half a game to go tonight, two tomorrow, and five with them next week at St. Louis. Yeah. Big crowd of players around in one spot. Somebody must have said something to Yadier Molina that he did not like. Yeah, that's part part of the, the portfolio. He's a great catcher. He's a Hall of Famer. 
but he will let you know how he feels. It's going to happen. Um, you know, we try to avoid it as much as possible, but in competition, sometimes stuff like that arises and, um, you know, every, everybody just standing around. Umpires did a good job of, of dispersing it and um, kind of just move on and continue to play baseball after that. Apparently there was a little miscommunication between him and our dugout. Probably him and me. I should say him and me. Can can you explain it, or you don't you don't want to explain it? No, I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah, he. It was interesting because again, there was two five game sets against the Cardinals, and at this point, uh, they were into the first five game set. Uh, double header to finish up that first five game series. Series ended with another split of the double header. Woody, a uh, seven inning complete game giving up three earned runs in a 4-2 loss. No brawn in the lineup. Interesting. They win six zip in the second and final game of the doubleheader and fifth game of the series. Uh, Brawny hits a, a, a big uh, three-run home run in that first inning. A 23-26 and 26 mark to that point with 11 games remaining. NL Central race for second, a playoff spot. Very tight at that point. Cardinals and Reds tied. Brewers just a game back. This is of second place. All three well into the wild card race. And then it was that Royal Series, a three-game set at Miller Park. Bust out the brooms. They get the sweep over Kansas City and Mike Matheny. They needed it. That could have been a tipping point. In game one, they're down four zip. They came back to win 9-5. Nottingham, a huge grand slam in that game. Uh, Adrian Hauser, not great again. Four-run ball and four innings. Burns, awesome in game two. Five-zip shutout victory. Six scoreless. ERA at a buck 77. Williams, amazing. Two scoreless, four strikeouts. Williams, a .39 ERA to that point. They finish it with a 5-3 win over the Royals for the sweep. Vogelbach knocks in all five with a couple of home runs. And they get back to 500 at 26-26 and 26 after that sweep. It was a four-game winning streak. Vogelbach, 10 games with the crew, hitting over 400. And really the big story, Corbin Burns, just on a major role in a Cy Young conversation that we had on the postgame show. He's been outstanding. What a bounce-back year for the Brewers' right-hander, uh, says Adam McCalvey, our insider. It's a great lesson for all of us about how players develop and that it's not, it's not the same for everybody and it's not always like a, a nice linear path. Um, you know, there can be big struggles before success. Um, and, you know, because it, it's, it's, and the player has, has kind of a choice when he gets faced with the big struggles of what is it going to look like um, or how am I going to adjust? And, this is, you know, a bit just a credit to Corbin on how he's kind of chose to address everything, mental, physical, pitch selection. Um, and he's, um, you know, I don't think some of the things needed big tweaks. I don't think any of them, frankly, needed big tweaks, but obviously they, they've made a huge difference. When you think back to where he was last year and the home run ball last April when he broke in the Brewers rotation and it was home run derby. Stunning to see him just totally turn that around and go from 17 home runs in 49 innings last year to one home run this season, including zero in his last 49 innings. And look, it's 
you know, it's the cutter, it's being um, more mentally prepared after working with a guy all winter, it's, you know, the LASIK, it's probably all those things, but it's just the story of a guy putting it together. Yeah, it sure was at that time, and they were down to eight games left, an eight-game road trip, three in Cincinnati, and then five against the St. Louis Cardinals. Those are the teams you want to play. The pitching matchups didn't look really favorable. Luis Castillo against Woody in game one, that would be the one to get, right, because Sonny Gray uh, against Brett Anderson in game two, and then Hauser against Bauer in game three. They split the first two games uh, against uh, the the uh, Reds, uh, Brett Anderson stepped up in Game Two. Brett Anderson uh, had been to that point getting on a little bit of a roll. Devin Williams, two innings, five strikeouts uh, in that Game Two victory. Hater, eleven saves. They get back to five hundred after the Game Two win, twenty-seven and twenty-seven, with just six games left in the twenty twenty season. Brewers tied with the Reds. Uh, in that central and just one game back of St. Louis. After that victory, the Brewers would be in if the playoffs were to start at that point. That was a good place to be. They fall in the third and decisive game in that Red Series. Uh, Bauer just lit them up. A dozen strikeout, eight innings of one-run ball. Brewers, after that loss, they've had nine chances to get over 500 and had lost all nine of the games this year. And it was down to the final five games of the season. Brewers, two under 500, five games against the St. Louis Cardinals, the team you're chasing, manager Craig Council. Yeah, this, this was big time right here. Yep, this is it. <laughs> That's it. Final series in three days, five-gamer against the Cardinals. You're listening to the 2020 season retrospective. The season that was, talking some Brewers baseball, the final series and the postseason next here on The Fan. So we're down to this in the 2020 campaign as we talk some Brewers baseball tonight the season in review the retrospective here for 2020 it comes down to this a final five game series against the St. Louis Cardinals Craig Council just sums it up easily yep this is it (laughs) it is it Uh, one way or the other this was going to be it five gamers starts out with a 4-2 loss but it marked unfortunately the injury to Corbin Burns Uh, at that point listed as a back injury turned out to be the oblique that would come back to haunt the team either way it was going to be Burns last regular season start he ended his season with a 2-11 earned run average and at that time Brewers would be without Freddie Peralta for a couple of days leaving for paternity leave Games two and three, a doubleheader where they won the first game. The Brewers did three zip. Brent Suter, four scoreless. Williams, two scoreless. Hader with the save, number 12. And, hey, a Yelich home run in game. Yeah, in, a, in any, any game. And then Lindblom gets blown up the following game. The Brewers were no hit through five innings in that game. Yelich, by the way, on that home run. Broken 0-for-13 skid with eight strikeouts. And the regular season down to just two games left. Manager Craig Council on Brent Suter. Here's the 2-0. 
Arcia to left hit it pretty well, but it's going to be taken out there by O'Neill on the warning track. And that is the final out of game two as the Cardinals beat the Brewers 9 to 1. So you gain the split. Now you got two regular season games left. And you hope those are going to be victories for sure. And a little bit of help from the outside. All we can do is control what we can control and go out and win. Um, you know, so winning is the big the big key here. Um, to take if we lose one of the next two, I don't know what the scenarios are, but it puts us in a much more difficult spot than if we can uh, win the next two games. So uh, let's just try to go out and win some baseball games. This is a mode we've been in for the past four Septembers for, for players that have been around. So um, no different, no different really. Um, you know, in, in my eyes, it's 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 very similar. Maybe feels like kind of. It, you know, honestly, it feels kind of like the end of 2017 when we were going down in the where we were here in St. Louis and kind of had to do the same thing as win a couple of games. You know, our mission is pretty simple now. We got to win two games. And, and uh, so you still feel like, um, you know, some things got to happen. But if you win two games, you got a pretty good chance at least to at least to um, see what happens on Monday, maybe. Yeah, and with those two games left, destiny in their own hands. However, they do announce at this point that Corbin Burns would go on the 10-day IL. What a huge hit. What else? Fire Eisen sent down. Freddie reactivated. They win in game 59 of the 60. Huge win. Woody, eight shutout innings on two hits with 10 strikeouts, and the offense breaks out. Braun and Vogelbach go back-to-back, and with just one game left, they're at 29-30. and Obviously, the best they could do is 500 counsel all over that Woody performance. Talked about being uh, really one of the best regular season performances in Brewers history. I've made an adjustment here these last probably four or five starts. Um, and it has nothing to do uh, mechanically. It's, it's just all about how I approach each inning. And honestly, just trying to win each inning. That's, I mean, if you give up runs, that's, that's fine. But just go out. Um, take it pitch to pitch and just try to win the inning. Um, if you can look at it like that and try to keep it as simple as possible, um, you know, I think good things can happen. So um, I was just being myself tonight, trying to attack the hitters, trying to get some weak contact and uh, early outs. And I was able to do that for the most part tonight and, and um, you know, get through some innings. It felt like, um, you know, he was going to win every battle really. Um, and he did. And then in the eighth, we, we, we made a nice defensive play in the eighth, too. I, I think Yelich's play in the eighth is a, is a big deal. Um, that's a, you know, that, that's probably, we probably go to the pen if that ball doesn't get caught and you made a beautiful running catch. It's one of those, I'm just, I know I'm getting near the end of the line, so it's, I'm, I'm trying to just let it eat and trying to just, you know, finish strong. Uh, I think that's, that's something I was able to do last year, was able to, to get stronger as the game went on, and I think that's just, I knew I was getting close to the end, so I just tried to um, try to focus in and just tried to, you know, let it go. I guess so. Uh, not really looking at the radar gun, just trying to trying to make pitches. This was essentially the the equivalent of a wild card game for us. It was it was win or go home. If we lost today, it's over. Um, you know, he stepped up. He, he threw the ball really well. I think they came into the game swinging the bats well last night. Um, you know, you saw what they were able to do against a right-handed pitcher. They really swung the bat well. 
um, you know, Woody couldn't have possibly been um, better for us tonight. I think he's been really good. He's just run into an occasional inning where things seem to kind of snowball on, on him a little bit. Um, and, and aside from that, he's been dominant. So tonight we just saw him uh, finish the job, um, you know, in, in as big a game as, as uh, he'll ever pitch in the regular season. I think I can, like I, like I mentioned yesterday, I, I just feel like I can, can slow the game down. Um, we made some good defensive plays early on. Uh, they had some traffic early, but was able to get through those innings and then um, was able to start making pitches. Um, so, um, man, we, we played a heck of a game. Uh, Ronnie and Vogie hit those, you know, big home runs and we got some, just an extra run there late. And, um, you know, we were able to hold on, made some great defensive plays. Yelly made that play in left field to end the eighth and that was, that was huge. So. Um, it was a great, great team win and looking forward, you know, to tomorrow. The story of the game was Woody. I mean, it, it was, it was just a good a start. I think that we've seen since, you know, since the Sabathia start at the end of, uh, 08, it really in, in a, in a big game, right. In a regular season game. So, um, you know, to deliver right there and, and to not only deliver, but help us for tomorrow, um, you know, it can't be understated what he did. Yeah, I agree. You think back on that performance from Woody and in, in what is near to a must-win situation as you could possibly have gotten to, Woody did step up, and that bodes well for the future. Now down to one game left here in the 2020 season retrospective and win to get in, but you can still get in if you don't. We'll continue talking Brewers baseball tonight for the final time here in 2020. It's a regular season and postseason berth. There's Austin, Texas, Sam Schmitz, producers, engineers, uh, all season long with the on deck and the postgame show. Continue next, talking Brewers baseball, 12.50 a.m., The Fan. And final few minutes of the 2020 season retrospective. Talking Brewers, uh, bidding our farewells to this campaign here. Tim Allen, Sam Schmitz, Austin, Texas. And we're down to our storyline here of one game remaining. Game 60 in the 60-game shortened season. A win-to-get-in scenario for the Milwaukee Brewers. However, if they don't win, they still have a chance. They would need the Phillies to lose and the Giants to lose. Phillies in Tampa, Giants against the Padres, and the Brewers fall in the final game. But they celebrate anyway as both those Phillies and Giants lose. They end up with a 29-31 and 31 mark, but into the playoffs for the third consecutive year, the first time that has happened in franchise history. The Brewers and Houston Astros, first time a sub-500 team hits the postseason. Despite all the challenges in 2020, the Brewers celebrating another playoff appearance. This is a season where, um, you know, all of us, including you guys, you know, we're all we're all presented with unique challenges, and it, it it's just it's raised um, hurdles all the every day. It feels like it raises a hurdle for everybody, and and when you just keep keep getting hurdles put in front of you, it you know it gets easier to say enough. And I, and to this team's credit, they've never said enough, you know, they've always, um, no matter what the hurdle or what the playoff odds look like, or if they weren't swinging the bats or if they weren't pitching well, they, they kept kind of answering that hurdle and they got it and we've gotten ourselves to this day. So I think, 
that, um, you know, we're, we're ultimately this team is, we're going to look at today and, and, and make a decision on the season. But I think getting, because they've behaved in that way and acted in that way, we've got ourselves to that point. And then that's a success. We've played one game in four years that didn't mean anything for the playoffs. Um, and that's, that's pretty good. You know, I, I know, I know, you know, we, we want playoff success, but as far as regular season success, you know, that's, that's where we've been the last four years. It's been, it's, it's the last day in 2017 has been the only day that hasn't mattered for us when the game started. Um, and, and so that's, um, you know, that's competitiveness, man. That's, that's every game means something. That's, that's good. Enter, that's entertaining baseball for your fans through, through every single game. And so that's, um, I think it's important and I, and I think it means something. Um, and it's, it's what we set out to do is, is be that, is be consistent like that. Um, you know, this season's, you know, bizarre and in, in, in so many ways, cause it's 60 games, but it's, but it's, you know, and the rules of playoff rules have changed, but we've gotten ourselves to the same point. And a bouncer right over the middle, quick flip, and the game is over. And the Cardinals have won this one five to two and get the automatic berth into the National League playoffs. They will be the number five seed in the eight-team format. And the Brewers with this loss have all eyes now in San Francisco. And that leaves it to Austin Slater, who has not had a hit today. He's 0 for 4. That is strike three. 100 miles an hour and strike three for Rosenthal. Strikes out the side in order, and the Padres win it 5-4. to four. That is it. The Giants' season is over. Hey, turn this up a little bit. Check this out. <laughs> you know what that means. The Brewers hit the playoffs for the third consecutive year here in 2020. As they get it done, they're in the playoffs. We have postseason action again under manager Craig Council and this band of misfits at times. They find a way to hit the postseason. Of course, we were critiquing every pitch that uh, Rosenthal was throwing, but uh, and, and the umpire too. So <laughs> um, when the final out happened, everybody just went crazy, banging on lockers, and then the celebration started. So, um, you know, it's it's even though we lost the game today, uh, that doesn't matter. We you know we're we're in and um, and looking forward you know to the challenge. And but we had a, a pretty good celebration. We we're just watching the uh, Padres Giants game on the TV. Um, I think we got in there top of the ninth, and uh, it was a little different than you know if you lose a game. Um, you know, we lost this one, and everybody was kind of talking to each other, huddled around the TV. And usually that's not the case after a loss, but. Uh, we were tuned in, hoping the Padres could help us out there, and uh, fortunately, we were, uh, you know, they were able to get three outs, and we were able to get in. I mean, we were watching TV, so uh, that's been different in the, than the last two years. Yeah, I mean, we 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 got in by watching TV. Um, you know, that's that's how we got in in 2008, I believe, is watching TV. So it, that's sometimes you're watching the game and to, to finish the next way, but um, you know, there's eight teams from our league and. And we're one of the top eight. You know, obviously, once we, we saw the San Fran lose and we were heading out there, um, I mean, obviously, walking in, we saw the Cardinals celebrating and, and, and doing their 
celebrations, but for us to come back out there, they threw uh, our clinched playoffs up on the board, which was nice. And uh, we got to have our time to celebrate. It's fitting for the, for the year. Um, you know, it's definitely been different. You know, obviously we've won to celebrate and this is kind of, you know, we, we banked on San Fran um, losing for us to get in. So it's almost like a, a 2020 um, victory in itself, but we're in there. Uh, that's the biggest thing. We're in, we're in there. We're in the playoffs. So, I mean, once you're in there, I mean, we control our destiny from here. Weird. And uh, I guess that's probably the only way to describe it, right? I mean, it's fitting for 2020 and everything that we went through. But, um, you know, it felt just as good as, as past years. Um, this year is a unique one. You know, there's so many challenges you had to deal with on a, on a daily basis, um, you know, behind the scenes, that things that you don't deal with in a, in a normal year. And, um, you know, it wasn't pretty the whole way. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty. We, we took a beating sometimes, had the up and downs, and um, we were able to find a way and sneak in. Celebration. Uh, I, I don't, you know, the, we're in. We're in the playoffs. Uh, that's, that's how you see it. There's no reason to um, apologize for getting in the playoffs. Um, we beat the other teams and, and, and got the eight spots, so we're in. And, and we're, we got a chance. Um, that's the, you got to get in. And so we got a chance to win the World Series still. A lot didn't go right for us this year. Um, a lot of the moves that I made last offseason uh, didn't pan out the way I thought they were going to make, uh, the, the way I thought they were going to pan out. Um, but our team really hung together, overcame that. Um, and now we get to play in our, our third postseason uh, in a row on a national stage, and that's something to be really proud of. We had a chance to make it three in a row and, and being the first time ever to do that. And just being a part of it for the last three years is um, once you make it that first time, you see what winning's all about. You see the culture, you see um, the guys you have in the room and just what goes on into to being a winning team and a playoff team. And, um, and you know, we've gotten to experience that a lot of us and, and, kind of taking that and I think using that experience in some of these games here late. And I think that's been super important. Doing it three straight years is something that as an organization we haven't done previously. So that's meaningful. I think it means that we've established some level of consistency here. Um, we set a standard here that um, is a high standard and, and we've been able to achieve it for, for three straight years. Clearly this is, this is, this is different. Um, it's a different format, um, but it's still meaningful. And, and we're proud that we're a playoff team. Yeah, and, and they should be because they did hit the postseason. And, I, and I'll bring in guys, Sam Schmitz and uh, Austin, Texas here. You know, when you think about the run uh, starting in 17, and again, we heard it from Craig Council there, every game meaningful except the final game in 17. So four consecutive seasons, every game but one meant something. To me, that is the biggest stat uh, in terms of contemporary Brewers baseball, it really means a, a, a lot. And you guys hanging with, with me all summer long, all season long, I should say. Uh, Sam, your thoughts when, the, when they made the playoffs? Who cares how they got in, but they made it? Um, I, if you told me we would have gotten through a 60-game season when all that argument was going on between the players and the union, I probably wouldn't have believed you. And then on top of that, you would have told me that the Brewers got in with a sub-500 record. I would, would not have believed you there, but... I mean, we, we've said it before, especially on the postgame shows, the highs and the lows of this team were so dramatic this season. And just to get in, and like you said, three straight years, I think we're finally building something in this organization that other players around the league are going to notice. 
in Austin, I know our, our conversations were simple. Are they going to do this thing? They still have a chance to do this thing. So many people had counted them out. They ain't going anywhere. In fact, people would ask us, now, how are the Brewers doing this year? But, but they, I mean, they got it done despite all those challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, at the end of every show, we kept scoreboard watching. And once the division kind of started getting out of hand and we knew the Cubs were going to win that division, we, we kept a you know, tight eye on that second, uh, second division spot and then also the wild card spot. And we're looking at it like, wow, we really do have a chance with everything that this team has gone through this year with the super inconsistent hitting, the poor batting averages across the board, almost getting no hit probably like three or four times and actually getting no hit this year. I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't think we were going to make it to this point, but I'm extremely proud of them for getting to this point. Um, you know, it, we were one game away from making it four years in a row going back to 2017. So I'm, you know, they, they started um, this culture and hopefully this winning culture continues. Yeah, and it's it did set a standard, and and I love that word as as you heard it from Craig Council and you know Brandon Woodruff and and Ryan Braun that they all use the the term standard, and and I really appreciate that. So they're into the playoffs again as we finish up the 2020 retrospective. They're the eight seed against the one seed, the L.A. Dodgers, 43 and 17 in their 60. Injuries to Burns and Brett Anderson, who had that blister pop up again. Brewers go with a bullpen game in game one of the playoffs against the Dodgers. Second matchup in three years in the postseason for these two organizations. And, wow, Suter was uh, bad in that that game one against the Dodgers. He gave up a double and four walks in the first uh, first inning. Then in the second inning, Back-to-back doubles put the Brewers in a three-zip hole. He ends up going just one and two-thirds of three-run ball. Yardley, awesome. Two and a third scoreless. Uh, Lando got the team back into it, a two-run home run mid-game. Braun, however, another challenge removed from that game after a couple of ABs with a back issue turns out to be an oblique for him as well. His spot did come up in that playoff game in the fifth and seventh innings with a man on in a one-run game. Ouch. Uh, with Braun's pedigree, it may have made a difference. Uh, Craig Council on the Ryan Braun issues. Wow. How about that? Brent Suter has walked in a run. He's got three walks in the top of the first, and Los Angeles leads it one to nothing. Walked in another run. You're almost sitting here feeling bad for Brent Suter, given the state of the Brewers going into this game and his fourth walk of the inning and a 2-0 Dodger lead. Council has got to be beside himself. It was very uncharacteristic. um, And frankly, you know, we've never seen an outing from Brent like that. Um, You know, there is... You know, the concern with Brent I always have is when his ball's not cutting, uh, you're worried about kind of the, the, the damage and it happens quickly. But the not throwing – I mean, you got three outs in the first inning and he threw nine strikes and 23 balls, I think. So it was just – it was a odd outing from him, just one we haven't seen. I mean, I, I would chalk it up to he couldn't throw strikes. I mean, that which is – that's what's abnormal. They just couldn't throw strikes. Um, you know, he, he did – I'll give them credit. There was a bunch of borderline pitches that they just didn't swing at and, and they got bald. Um, 
I don't, I, I think they probably were balls from what I've heard, uh, but they, they also didn't swing at him. Um, and, and Brent can get swings on those borderline pitches as well, too. So, you know, give them credit for laying off the, the borderline stuff as well. And, you know, a couple strike, a strike here, a strike there, get you back in the count, and that, that changes at bats. You know, I, a lot of things, you know, nerves going on. Uh, excited to be out there, grateful to be out there. And then, uh, you know, Mookie gets that leadoff double. Um, you know, and I'm thinking about him. I think it took some focus off the plate, and then I missed some corners, and then all of a sudden it was just kind of a snowball effect. I was trying to breathe, trying to, you know, disengage and just do the, you know, the normal routine to get me back in, back in sync. And I just couldn't find it. Um, and just a lot of bad misses, um, just gave him, gave him two runs, just gave him a, you know, spot him two runs right there. Um, just felt terrible. I was doing everything I could and my normal, more normal things to get back in, in line and get back in the zone. And it's just, I just struggled to find it. It's a very lonely feeling. Um, there was, it almost felt like an effect of like the whole world was just like zoom, you know, zooming in. I couldn't, like, I couldn't make the adjustment. You know, I just had to keep trying to battle through it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bad, bad feeling. Uh, you know, we don't have it all the time as baseball players, uh, once we're at this level, but there are some times where this game, you know, it's a hard game. There's a lot of things that go into delivery to get pitches to go where you want. And some days you just can't find it for whatever reason. And it, it makes for a long and uh, miserable day. So I, I threw two innings, but I felt felt like I threw, you know, eight. I couldn't believe how slow time was going by. Uh, just it was not not good, uh, not fun. But again, the the team picking picking us up and keeping us in that game was uh, was incredible. Yeah, there's uh, comments from Brent Suter and and Craig Council did talk about Brawny leaving the game, and you wonder if that's the last we have seen of Ryan Braun, but. He also had Council's comments there on Suter's performance. Well, you know, now it's uh, in game two. That was a 4-2 loss in game one against the Dodgers. Now it's an elimination game in uh, game two, October baseball, as the calendar flipped to the uh, new month. Woody on the mound for game two, and the team felt pretty good that they were going to be in that game. However, the offense just struggling. No brawn in that lineup. As it turned out, he wasn't available. Brewers facing Clayton Kershaw. Couldn't go with their lefty lineup. Vogelbach, Sogard, maybe Gamel, Narvaez. But in that lineup, wow, Ryan Healy was the cleanup hitter. Tyrone Taylor, Luis Urias, Jacob Nottingham in an elimination game paled in comparison to other playoff lineups. Grandal, Moustakis, Thames, Brawny, Yelich, Kane, even a Travis Shaw. Uh, last couple of years into the postseason, when you compare, it's tough. Kershaw, outstanding, struck out 13. Brewers batters struck out 28 in the two-game series as the Brewers' season ends with the loss of Game 2 to the Dodgers, an overall mark of 29-33 and 33 and all the challenges and crazy, crazy season uh, issues. Manager Craig Council will hear from him up next, but it was a final as the Brewers' season ended. This should do it. Taylor says, I got it. Kershaw gets a win, and the Dodgers advance. They win the wild card series, taking both games from the Milwaukee Brewers. Most importantly, we just, we just didn't do enough offensively. You know, we, we pitched well again today, and 
you know, frankly, Woody probably d- deserved better than than giving up three runs there. You know, we didn't tonight. We just didn't. You know, I don't think we had multiple runners on base today at any time. Um, I, I'm not sure last night we had multiple runners on base, so we just never could sequence anything to get a to get an inning where um, you know not just one run, but you could you got to put multiple runs on the board at some point. You know, this whole year's been tough. It's been we've had to face a ton of challenges with everything going on. And I feel like we've, we've beaten them and, you know, I feel like we had a good shot at, at, at this, uh, in this series. And, you know, we, 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 we played well, we just weren't able to, you know, get, get those runs. So, and you know, that's, that's, that's baseball. That's part of it. And you take it for what it is. You, you learn from some of the things you uh, need to do better and take it in the off season and, and get ready to, um, to go next year, but I think the standards kind of been set with three, you know, going three years in a row to, to the playoffs. And I think that's, that's something we have to look at as a, as a group is that, you know, we, this is, this has been three years in a row now. So this is the standard and this is what we're going to, you know, strive for. So some positives to, to take out of it. I mean, it always sucks, you know, different circumstances this year, obviously with, you know, the shorter season and, and COVID and, and all that. But anytime your season comes to an end, it's a, it's a bummer. And it's a bummer because, you know, there's never the same team the next year. It's just it's a different group of guys every year. There's never the same group. So uh, whenever it ends, it is a bummer. And um, went through a lot this year as a group and uh, definitely proud of the guys. A lot of ups and downs, uh, a unique one to say the least. Um, but, you know, I can say for myself, I can say for the guys that uh, we never quit. Uh, we gave it everything we had. Uh, we tried to find a way. Um, it almost felt like we willed ourselves into the postseason. You know, we just never never quit and just found a way to get it done, get to this point. Obviously, it didn't work out for us, but, you know, now that's the standard. It's the standard for the organizations to, is to be in the postseason, not to quit. Um, Counts talked about it after the game and, uh, we'll be back and just regroup and, you know, we, we learned a lot from this year for sure. What I just told the guys is, you know, I, I have so much respect and admiration for, for what they did this year. I think this team never had, we never just had this extended period of time where it felt like it went right. It felt like there was hurdles kind of always being thrown up in front of us. And we still, and we got to this point, you know, we're, we're, we're not satisfied getting here. And we talked about that too. That's not we're not going to be satisfied just getting to the playoffs. We expect to to, to play on, and that's what always going to be a standard that I think we we've, we've helped establish. But I do think we accomplished some things this year, and I, and I think under some difficult circumstances. And I and I have a lot of respect for for how they went about doing that. Yeah, nobody thought that this team would do what they did, but they did it. And uh, that wraps up the 2020 season retrospective, shortened retrospective, shortened season. Results uh, sort of the same in a postseason berth, guys, and and there's a lot to be proud of for that. Uh, Fans, um, hey, just cross your fingers and, and just good thoughts to being back at Miller Park, tailgating and I was sitting there watching some Brewers baseball on a beautiful June evening and, you know, to, to, to cross your fingers, not only for Brewers baseball, for the country in, its, in itself, to get back to normal here, which we will. Guys, I'll promise you we'll get back to normal at some point. We will. 
David Stearns, uh, has a uh, a lot to go through this offseason for sure and maybe some of the changes for 2021. So for, from a preparation standpoint, we have to prepare um, as we normally would. Um, we have to be prepared to enter an offseason from a timing perspective that's going to function as a normal offseason. I do not know what this offseason is going to look like. Um, I don't think anyone does. We're going to strategize. We have been strategizing to make our best predictions, um, to come up with uh, a number of contingency plans that put us in a position to act regardless of what this offseason looks like. But from a timing perspective, um, all of our guesses are, are just guesses at this point. Um, there, are, there is tremendous uncertainty. Um, that is true in every business in the world. Um, certainly true in every live entertainment business. And we're right in the middle of that. So we have to recognize that and understand that that, that could have the potential to affect how the industry behaves throughout the course of the offseason and, and the timing of that behavior. Yeah, I, I would say here we are early October here. You've got October, November, December, January, February, March, uh, late March or early April is opening. Boy, that's still a half a year away. A lot can happen in a half a year. Well, there is the 2020 season retrospective as the Brewers hit the postseason third consecutive year uh, that that has occurred first time in, in the 50-year franchise history. And Austin, Texas, I'll bring you in, man. It was uh, nice working with you for the abbreviated season, nonetheless. It would have been nice to have the, the full gamut of 162, but uh, you made it a lot, uh, a lot easier for me, and, and certainly the audience enjoyed it. I appreciate your help, Austin. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Starting with Hot Stove back in uh, January, I think, is when I started up, and then all the way through spring training and through the summer. It's been a, it's been a great ride, man. I think your favorite part of, of being associated with the Brewers' coverage was our little layover in Las Vegas on our way to uh, Arizona, I think. Yeah, probably. I made a pretty good amount of money during that. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. And Sam, same to you, man. You make it a lot, uh, a lot easier for me uh, with the with the grind, if you will. And it is a grind. Let's face it, Sam. But I appreciate the help. No, I appreciate, it, man. And like Sparky, you and Gary were all talking about at the end of the Wendy's Big Show. There's a lot to look forward to for this team, whether it be pitching and you know, mm-hmm. eight more years of Christian Yelich and all that. So as, as tough as the season was, we've got a lot to look forward to for next season. Yeah, and somehow, some way, I think they will get it done to the point of competing again. I think they will. Now, I'm a little concerned about their payroll. Uh, more on that as the offseason uh, really, in theory, starts right now for the Milwaukee Brewers. But uh, we'll find out if he does a, you know, a, a, an onslaught of a Justin Smokes and Logan Morrison's and Brock Holtz, or if, if they go a little more solidified here with – uh, some some more experienced players and, and keep them for two, three years. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Jed Zerko, uh, just for example, I mean, why wouldn't he fit in? Daniel Vogelbach, why wouldn't he fit in here moving forward? Those are a couple of pieces offensively to put around Christian Yelich and Keston Hira. Those two will have better seasons, that's for sure. But uh, all right, next time we talk Brewers baseball, I would assume is going to be uh, on the hot stove show, and, and normally we get that fired up right around December first. And before you know, it, we'll be talking Brewers on deck. I think no, maybe not. 
We'll see what happens with all of what's going on. All right, for Austin, Texas, uh, for Sam Schmitz, I appreciate you guys' help. 15 years of doing postgame. Quick history, I wanted two two years out of this job. And I think I, I achieved that goal. Then I wanted five, and then I said, screw it, let's go 10. Might as well go 10. Now we're at 15. I don't even want to make any more proclamations. If they allow me to do Brewers postgame coverage, I will be here. So wrapping up 15 years of coverage here. I'm super lucky guy to be doing this for as long as I've been doing it, and hopefully it continues. Sometimes it's out of your control. All right, you guys have a great offseason. We'll talk Brewers baseball again. And remember, for the final time here in 2020, smile Milwaukee. The world will smile back. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.